everyone, and welcome to the AI Innovators Podcast. I'm Rob May. I'm the CEO of Nova and an active angel investor in the AI space. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is really about the people doing really interesting, innovative work in the AI space. We're looking at new business models. We're looking at new types of technology. We're looking at new types of companies. And I have a company with me today, SyntheticUsers.com, and I have the CEO, Kwame Ferreira. They do something really, really unusual, so I'm very excited to talk to them. Kwame, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Rob. Very, very happy to be here. So let's jump right into the founding story. I think your business is fascinating because we've seen huge growth in synthetic data as a concept over the last two years, but now you're proposing synthetic users. So so tell us, like, what is a synthetic user and like, where did this idea come from? A synthetic user is really an invocation of a large language model in order to perform, reply, or communicate the way an organic user would. We now need to differentiate between synthetic users and organic users, which is great. So in other words, it's really a collection of prompts and all sorts of other systems that go into an LLM as as inputs, and then create the necessary context so that when probed, the LLM responds as though it was a real user. So that's the logic behind it. And how did you stumble on this? Was there something that happened? Or did you see this as like a logical extension of where synthetic data was going or of LLMs? Or did you have a specific need? Or like, where did the idea come from? So we've been creating uh, products for a very long time. So some of us have a consulting background, others real product development background, but with product as the common denominator. And over the past 10 years, we've been doing countless products for, you know, the Googles, the Samsungs, the, the, the Leicas, the, you name it. We have hundreds of products under our belt uh, as a team, as well as our own ventures. And the biggest pain point for us was was always when if you if you look at product and you break break down the product the product journey you have product discovery and then product delivery on the product discovery the biggest pain point for us was really user testing so having to you know you have that great idea you bring your team together whether you're starting something new or you're optimizing an existing product you bring the team together and then you, you lay out this plan. Okay, we need to we need to talk to some users. Okay, who are these users going to be? Okay, and if there's a if you have if you happen to have a UX researcher in your team, great. Your UX researcher will will draw out this plan and off you go. You need to recruit and you need to find to to create the script. You need to talk to these people, and the whole thing is actually quite costly. It's time consuming. Uh, and at the end of the day, you hope to get some some insights that will then allow you to to act on and and improve or or actually create a, a new product. Uh, that whole process within product discovery is is painful, and it's something we never really enjoyed. There's a there's a part of it that we really enjoyed, which is talking to some users and really figuring out that the nuggets, you know, those gems. But that was after we talked to a whole bunch of users and you figure out, you know, the big picture. Okay, this, these are their needs. Roughly, you know, 80% of them are, um, are in this category. Um, and, and then you'd start to have those conversations that would push that where you could find an alpha user or you could find users that could allow you to push the boundaries of your product and really fulfill that need. 
which you as 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 a product creator and, and, and your product journey really is about fulfilling those needs. So that was painful, and we set so we set out to um, to try and solve this problem, the eighty percent problem. Like, what's the if we were to ask a whole bunch of users right now, very quickly, and get some results? How could we do this? And so we started playing out playing with with LLMs. And the beautiful thing about it is that. LLMs are not deterministic. The whole thing is highly probabilistic. And the problems you're trying to solve most of the time from a product perspective are quite wicked. You know, in, in design thinking, you, you refer to them as wicked problems. They're quite complex. They're hard to define, as are people. And what we noticed is that the outputs that you get are sometimes... You know, people refer to it as hallucinations. Some, sometimes it goes off on a tangent, but that, that's what people are <laughs> like, right? They're filled with biases. They're filled with intricacies and the idiosyncrasies. And we just saw, okay, let's give this a go. And we did. And when we started, we were really surprised. So we had like a, a study that we did or, with organic users. And this, we, we took the same study and we queried the, the LLM. And we started getting some pretty astounding results. They were pretty, very, very similar in terms of overall output. We started flashing that out, ensuring that our prompts and, you know, the magic that we do on top of the of these LMs, it allows us to, to get better results. The better results for us are results that are as close as possible to organic results. That's kind of our journey. I hope that was clear. Yeah, super interesting. And do you think that there are certain use cases, certain types of user testing that are better for this than other types? And then and then when people use this, how much of this can they use and how much does it need to be blended with organic users or or do you not need organic users at all anymore? No, we do. We do. And we do need customers and they also tend to be organic. So yeah, we do need those. To answer your first or the first part of your question, how should people really think about synthetic users is literally asking the question of what do you want to test? And in product discovery, the product journey will have you and your product team will have ample opportunity to test a, ver- a, a, a wide range of variables. And the first thing you test is, go- is going to be desirability. And that's where we're focusing on. Is this, would I buy this? Is this desirable to me in the sense that is it fulfilling a need I have, conscious or, or subconscious? And so that's desirability. And then there's sustainability. You can test whether a product is sustainable or not. And that's actually an area we will get to in due time. We, we have a lot of experience in that. And it's actually a very complex it's a very complex world. Not many teams have sustainability officers, and sustainability is actually more complex than people tend to admit it is. And so, especially if you want to start measuring impact. And so we feel like these synthetic users can really help with testing sustainability. They can definitely help with, with usability, and we'll, we'll get there as well. And that means plugging your, your product screens, plugging your Figma, for example, in, into synthetic users. So creating an interface there that allows you as the product creator, as you're creating the product to get immediate feedback. And that has to do with usability. And then there's viability and feasibility that's kind of baked in. So for now, what can you test? It's really desirability. That's what we're going for. And desirability is, is a lot, you know, it starts in, it starts with storytelling. It starts with me pitching you an idea. And you're reacting to that idea and asking me questions. And I kind of go, oh, uh, tell me more and I'll tell you more. And so it is a conversation. And 
in, in that sense, we, we feel like synthetic uses can really help. We do believe we, we, we can provide 80% of the results you would get in a normal UX study or UX research study. That's what we've been doing. We've been running studies with organic users and with synthetic users side by side and seeing if that holds true and how, how we can actually decrease that delta, right? At the same time, we do know that if we can get 80% of the way, then we're freeing you up and your team to really focus on that deep insight. We're mitigating risk. We're accelerating your go-to-market strategy and your product development lifecycle, but we are not replacing users altogether. We're just ensuring that cumbersome process of having to go through 20 interviews and getting that that insight that you would anyway, that is a little bit more generic, that you get that in seconds, right? And I say generic, but we have some some case studies already with our synthetic users where it really goes beyond the generic. It starts to really surprise you and you kind of go, oh, that's, that's interesting insight. I hadn't really thought about that. That's where we are in our blend. Okay. And is the right way for me to think about the synthetic users, is this is it that you have... Like, let's say you have a hundred different models or variations that are prompting an LLM and I'm getting a hundred responses back that sort of reflect a hundred different individual users. Or am I getting like one aggregate response back from the LLM that sort of represents the views of if I had talked to a hundred specific users? So the former, not the latter. The way we're doing this right now, because LLMs, the, the way we started doing this, you know, you you prompt the, the the model and you're going to get a, a result. The problem is the model already knows what the solution is. So if, if you look at the, the, the journey we want to take you on, and if you look at our interface, so if you go to synthetic.com, sign up and we'll give you access to it and you can play around. It all starts with an audience and then there's a problem. So there's a column for your audience, you, you specify your audience, then there's a, a column for your problem, and there's a column for your solutions. And when you put all that in there, you're painting this, this picture. And if you send this picture out to the, to the model, the model is already is aware of your solution, right? So it's already going to be biased. So it's important that we really, from I guess from a prompting perspective, that we're able to fragment and create the synthetic users individually. And that, so there's a lot of, let's call it back and forth with the LLM as opposed to one big chunk of context that goes in. That's how we do it. Okay. And what are some of the key technologies that you use to do this outside of LLMs? You know, was was most of the creation and, and sort of most of your IP around figuring out how to model these behaviors and prompt the LLMs? Did you have to use any AI to do sort of that piece of it? Or, or is there something else buried in there? We have a lot of data from our experience developing products, a whole bunch of products over the years, hundreds of products, actually. So it's data that that we're able to tap into whenever we fine-tune these models. I think an unfair advantage is having that background of having developed a whole bunch of products and having, uh, having sat through countless interviews and having had to synthesize all those interviews and those are the insights. And so these frameworks, whether, you know, whether it's a jobs to be done framework or, or any other framework, we, we have that kind of baked in to, to the way we talk to these LLMs. Right now we, 
from an LLM perspective, you know, quite agnostic. I think OpenAI is providing the best the best results. I think it's clear to to everyone out there. But the, the I guess the magic or the secret sauce really really lies in our ability to ensure that is it is as close to organic research as possible. And so we're constantly having to compare that with organic research. If 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 I make myself clear. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Where do you see this going over the next couple of years, right? Both for your company and an industry, like, is it, is there a lot of work to be done? Is most of it around sort of adoption and getting people comfortable with it? Do you think there's going to be a bunch of companies that focus on various aspects of this? Or is it, is it going to be mainly just one or two big companies that sort of cover all of the synthetic user testing bases? If you're creating a product, you know, you can, you can go to SurveyMonkey, you can, you can use them, you can go to usertesting.com. You have companies like Prolific. You have Qualtrics, like huge, right? If you want, you know, price sensitivity studies and whatnot. It's it's a, quite a fragmented space with a few, quite a, a few big players. It's not overly fragmented. We feel like synthetic users can take a big chunk of that space. Our strategy is really to focus on the quality of the interviews right now and to focus on desirability. Because, you know, it's very easy to kind of, oh, these LLMs can do usability and sustainability. And then suddenly you're testing for everything and, and, and nothing at the same time. So focus on desirability. Ensure that we have the best interviews that, that our customers can, you know, with you know, literally in, in a few seconds, and you can try it out for yourself, run a whole bunch of interviews and get some insight and start acting on that insight. Right now, I guess we're so focused on that that when when you asked me, oh, step back a little and look at the space that you're inhabiting. I kind of I see these players; they're they're working with organic users for the most part. The other week, we had this. Uh, they have these um, mosaics with a whole bunch of startups, and 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 they start to create these sectors. And we we created a new sector, which is synthetic research. Right now, it feels a little bit like blue ocean, but it won't be for very long. I think these big players, are they have their own innovation teams. They have a lot of intelligent people in there and they will they'll catch up. But yeah, for now, we are growing as fast as we can. It's, it's, quite, it's quite astounding how much appetite there is in the market to get some insight early, early into your product team. Yeah. So one of the things that, that people like to talk about when they talk about AI is artificial general intelligence, right? Just building machines that can do everything and think everything. And in general, I haven't been very concerned about or interested in that because it still seems like it's a it's quite a ways off. But, you know, looking at this, the ability to prompt an LLM and start to create these entities that can give feedback and react and stuff like that seems like it might be sort of like start to be a step in that direction. Like, have you ever thought about whether these synthetic users will become more complicated and more intelligent and maybe eventually may become their own sort of semi-autonomous or fully autonomous entities in some way? It's a, it's a really good question. I, I see this these synthetic users as, as um, serving a very specific purpose, which is to provide you with insights so you can improve your products. Could they do the tango? Could they <laughs> could give you the, the weather report for the next six months? 
Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe, <laughs> right? That would be great. But th that's not our focus. And focus really is the, 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 the word that we need to keep in the back of our minds at, at this stage, at least. I think what's, what's interesting here from, you know, when you talk, when you talk about AGI, whether it's AGI or not, it's really not relevant for us. What is relevant is can these um, synthetic users solve our problems and from a product from a from a customer perspective if i look at my customers um right now we have a huge coffee company and they have a whole bunch of different products they, they have different go-to-market strategies and whatnot what we're interested in is when we create these synthetic users is ensuring that the synthetic users inhabit their world our customers world right and a disney world our Disney Channel has its own values, has its own has its own idiosyncrasies, right? Its own peculiarities. Every brand, every every company, every customer, synthetic user customer out there is quite unique. And in that sense, having these synthetic users be a little bit more omniscient of their surroundings, right? And it's like, oh, okay, I'm right now within the Disney world, and this is what I these are the things I like and these are the things I don't like. These are the things I can do. This is what the brand embodies is, is, is interesting. I think there's a lot to explore there, but remember most users really don't care, right? Most users have needs and those needs need to be met irrespective of whether you have, you know, these wonderful brand values or custom or, you know, or a customer strategy that's all really well fleshed out by consultants. What will this AGI, what, what will all this definition around these synthetic users provide? If it will provide for, you know, better insight and they behave more like real users, amazing, you know, you, you've got us uh, and we'll invest in that, in that vector. If it's, if it's just, you know, if it's just for kicks, then, they're not really. The more interesting conversation here is what are these brands, what are these big companies doing about AI? And they should be treating AI as their own channel. They have their own AI channel, their AI world, a bit like a metaverse, but without without all the uh, all the shenanigans. And then starting to phrase a strategy within that. And that sense, if you drop a synthetic user there, maybe maybe the user could already be omniscient of of, of all those of all those quirks and react in, in, in a more insightful manner. Time will tell. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head that that is definitely how brands should definitely be thinking about AI. It is not how most of them think about it operationally. I mean, maybe, you know, I think theoretically they're going to a lot of conferences and doing a lot of webinars and really trying to figure out what AI should be in their companies, but really rethinking their workflows and operational workflows and and their strategies and tactics. I think we've, uh, you know, I, I'm an investor in over a hundred companies that, that are mostly AI focused. And the one thing they've all had in common is selling into large companies has been challenging. It's been really easy to get people on the phone. People are very interested, but they're, they're afraid to put in the time. They're afraid to take the leap sometimes. And they definitely, I, a SaaS has sort of ruined a generation of software buyers where it's like, it's super easy to like set up and deploy and see value and, you know, having systems that have to learn and fine tune and everything else, even if they're more powerful, three, six, 12 months out, you know, I think sometimes has made the onboarding and implementation sort of a little bit challenging and, and made these companies skittish. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're coming from. I think there's a bottom up approach. I think if you're able to add value 
at the IC level, at the individual contributor level within, within teams in companies, then it will start to grow from the bottom up, you know, very much like a tree. And as opposed to impressing some executive and then that you get that trickle down economics. And I, I think over here, people really want to see the delta between uh, the organic world they inhabit and the synthetic world that that is being promised around them, right? And they want to see the delta in benefits and value. And there's no one really better to to give you that delta than than the ICs themselves, right? Within within those teams. So I guess that's our strategy. And let, let's see how it goes. Yeah, it makes sense. So one of the questions I like to talk about, because a lot of entrepreneurs and technologists listen to this podcast is, uh, is there any technology challenge that you aren't working on at Synthetic Users, but you wish somebody else would solve because it would make your business easier? That is a really good question. Right now, not really. I think our roadmap is, is really clear. I think we have a little a little Sam Altman shrine over here in our in our office. I think what the folks at OpenAI are doing is 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 amazing. It's empowering this, you know, this plethora of this Cambrian explosion of, of of life. And we're one of those organisms. And we're very dependent on the quality of those models. But at the same time, with synthetic users, if you want them to behave as as well as organic users, we need to we need to ensure that we're quite narrow focused and that we that we're able to you know, using human loop and, and, and whatnot, that we're able to constantly have organic parity to the synthetic reality we're creating. The question is kind of tricky because it, things are moving so fast that you kind of go like, you know, every ask me tomorrow, like like something happened today and it's like, well, this is, we, we can use yeah. this. So right now, I think I think everything's moving very fast and we it's it's really more about the ability to, and that's why I liked some of your questions, the, the ability to, to step back and see the big picture and whether we are still positioned to add, to add value, right, to our customers. It's, it's hard to step back. I think the, right now, yeah. the, 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 uh, the biggest struggle is, is really that is a big picture struggle because there's so, on the micro level, everything's happening so fast and there's so many solutions to all our predicaments. I think the, to, to answer your question more concretely, if you really pushed me, the multimodal approach that, that hopefully is going to come out this week, but the multi, multimodal approach is, is uh, or reality is, is really important for us because that way you're not only feeding our synthetic users text, you're feeding them images, right? And yeah, I think that's going to be a game changer for us and, and for many other businesses out there. Yeah, no, definitely. As you sort of insinuated as we're recording this podcast gpt4 is expected to come out any day now and when you talk about moving fast i want to say is it is it trained on a thousand times more data than gpt3 or something crazy like that or i don't remember the exact numbers but yeah it's gonna you know it's weird because we as an innovation community are basically like really just benefiting a ton from these foundation models and trying to figure out what we can do with them and so i i expect it'll be really exciting over the next couple of days when this happens Absolutely. So final question that I like to ask everyone on the podcast is, what is one life lesson that you've learned, something that you've read or something a mentor taught you, something you you learned from experience that like doesn't have to be technical, it can be technical, whatever you want, but just something that you would like to pass on to people that are listening? The name of the game is resilience. I see a lot of companies, a lot of innovators and innovations just come and go and sometimes go way too easily. It's a marathon. 
and it's, it's a learning marathon and things take, you know, even in this fast paced Cambrian explosion that we're all immersed in right now, things take time. Our customers are still organic beings, right? Individuals with their lives and complexities and, and we're trying to get their attention. Things haven't changed that much from a, from an outcome perspective. It's just all the input variables are just, it's, it's absolutely exploding, but we still have the bandwidth that we have. I think the biggest lesson for me, having been in many, many ventures over, over the years uh, has been resilience, right? Find that, um, find that optimal burn rate survive in the process built right build 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 try things out and things will happen right it's just the law of large numbers that if you want to double your success rate you need to double your failure rate and in order to do so you need to be you need to be resilient you really need to to ensure that you're looking at it from a, a marathon perspective not a sprint yeah, definitely. I could not agree more. I think that's a great comment to end on. So Kwame, synthetic users.com. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure.